I'm Blake Hargreaves. Welcome to Future Stops. You're hearing the sounds of composer Adrian Foster on the pipe organ at Montreal's Sacré-Cœur de Jésus Church. You may remember Foster from Season 1 discussing his work with the conceptual performance company Earthworld Collaborative in our Organ Plus series. As a composer, Foster uses a unique space in Montreal as a sort of sonic laboratory, creating hybrid works of electronic and acoustic music focused on the pipe organ there. His first introduction to the instrument is music from the 1960s, when Renaissance sounds like harpsichord and organ became trendy in pop music. I guess music started from a really young age, just taking piano lessons as a kid. No one in my family was really particularly musically inclined, but I think I started uh, doing piano when I was probably like six years old or something like that. And yeah, I kind of randomly, when I was in high school, kind of thought it would be cool to to try and learn organ, I guess, just from kind of seeing the instruments and thinking it was something that would be really interesting. And also just even just from like a, a lot of the like more pop music and less classical music that I was listening to, it used a lot of like different kinds of organ sounds and whatnot. So yeah, there, I, there just happened to be someone in my town who was teaching, and so I started taking lessons on organ um, and have basically continued ever since. It kind of gradually took over uh, from the piano in terms of what I would end up spending my most time doing and, and enjoying the most. So how did you first encounter a pipe organ? I think the first time I ever really encountered a pipe organ was probably when I started taking lessons. Because um, I never really, like growing up, I never went to churches that had pipe organs. Like my family went to church, but it was like, you know, it, they, maybe they had an electronic organ that they didn't use. Um, so I think the first time I ever really encountered an actual pipe organ was when I started taking lessons and would uh, would meet at the the church where uh, where my teacher was, and it was some like Shant's monstrosity, uh, but it was it was still really cool to have that experience of playing on it. I'm not familiar with that organ maker. What, how, why was it a monstrosity? <laughs> Just these kind of very typical like uh, American organs from like. I think this one must have been built in the 90s or 80s or something like that and kind of blend of like nothing nothing really went together um none of the sounds really blended and the the space was really 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 dry but you know it had four manuals and it was a big instrument and it was something that was still a lot of fun to play and yeah, just to have that experience sitting down at a console like that, I think, especially then you don't really, I never really started to think about the quality of an instrument until like much later. So it was just, it was just a really exciting experience. As Foster begins to think more about the quality of an instrument, he looks toward the inner workings of the organ 
installing microphones inside each division as sort of prostheses to create dazzling enhancements and effects. I think my approach to the organ, at least now, is a lot more a lot more influenced by electronic sound and um, sort of exploring what I can do to to shape sounds and textures by you know using microphones amplifying the organ applying various effects and and um after the fact sort of adding other sounds layering on synthesizers that kind of stuff on top of the organ sounds um i think that's that's a lot where my approach is right now so so really really the organ as this kind of tool in electronic music that I think more than any, more I don't know, almost more than any acoustic instrument, the organ just lends itself so naturally to, to the kinds of uh, electronic sound worlds that, um, that I'm wanting to explore. It sounds like you're deconstructing the instrument, and maybe that comes from that early instrument that wasn't really together in any way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also, you know, it's, it's amazing what you can do, like using all of these tools, like with, with, with electronics, um, with applying different kinds of effects to the sound, exploring different possibilities that way, what you can do with almost any instrument, it's like, you know, there might be an instrument in town that, you know, I would never want to perform like a, a solo concert of, of, you know, older classical music on, but that you could find so many creative things to do with kind of manipulating the sound in a way. So I think it opens up the door a lot to to finding beauty in almost any instrument that's out there. The instrument that I've most recently been really inspired by in this city, it's a church called the Sacré-Cœur, and it's it's a beautiful church um, in the in the south central neighborhood of Montreal that is kind of one of these un, unexplored kind of hidden gems of the city. I think it's one that I never really knew about until relatively recently, and. I've been working there, uh, like I kind of bringing my equipment over there and and setting things up with the microphones and and effects and all of that for for the past few months. And it's been this amazing experience because the space is so beautiful. The instrument is is has has certain sounds on it, especially that are just really really special. And it's it's surprisingly well maintained as an instrument. And yeah, I ended up there initially working on a project that another composer, another Montreal-based composer, Andre Papatoma, was doing, which is a really cool project in and of itself. Um, he had the idea because the bell tower of this church was not structurally stable, so they had to remove the bells, so these these five giant tower bells from the tower. and 
they would have, you know, potentially just gone, been thrown out or, or whatever, whatever happens to old church bells. And he had the idea to actually install them in the church permanently uh, along the aisles of the nave. So you've got these, these five huge power bells just sitting in the church as this, it's both, it's both an artistic uh, installation, a historic kind of installation, but also this amazing creative resource um, because he, this composer is, is writing music now using, you know, with singers and organ and percussionists actually playing these church bells as, a, as concert instruments. So it's so cool. And that was what initially brought me into that space. And I think, you know, it's just even just having those bells in there, it creates this, this sort of magical atmosphere in this church because, you know, I, I don't know of any other church in the world. Maybe there are, maybe there is one I'm not aware of that actually has, you know, these giant bells in the, the inside of the church building that they use uh, for concert. So, so that was kind of what drew me into this place. And then, you know, having the experience of playing the, the instrument there. And I think also doing doing things with electronics, um, especially what I tend to do with putting microphones inside the organ. There's certain organs, the layout of the instrument uh, can affect so much what you're able to do or not do. And so this one is particularly um, conducive to to what I what I've been doing there with with um, sort of exploring different kinds of sound possibilities. Um, how so? And maybe tell us like it, what you know about this instrument and its history and who built it. Part of it comes back to sort of questions from exploring and, and trying different things out with various instruments with electronics. There's always a challenge when you're in a church and need to need to mic an instrument, need to mic an, a pipe organ and amplify the pipe organ sound. When I first started doing that, I would put like microphone stands outside of the organ case and capture the the sound that way. But of course, there's such this huge spread of sound uh, from the pipe organ because it's, it's first of all a large physical area, and second of all, you know, thousands of individual pipes that are making the sound. And when you're doing that with uh, with electronics or with amplification you get a lot of problems or challenges with, uh, with feedback when the microphones are that close to the loudspeakers. So I ended up more and more, um, and now it's kind of the only way I do it now is, is using, you know, really small uh, microphones. I, I have these, uh, these small DPA mics that are basically like lavalier microphones and sort of suspending those with little clips and, and sticky tack inside of the organ case. And so that makes a really big difference than how much, how much you can access certain parts of the instrument, whether, um, you know, whether there's enclosed divisions, because I find that if you put, if you put the microphones inside of a swell box, there's completely and isolate the, the treated electronic sound from the rest of the instrument that you get a lot more possibilities for expressive nuance with the amplification so anyway that's i i think how the the different uh, the layout of the instrument and how how conducive it is to to placing microphones sort of inside where the pipes are located relative to the walls of the of the divisions 
um, how much you have access to, to closed and expressive divisions um, influences a lot what, what you can or can't do with the, with the organ sound. And so does that mean this organ is particularly easy to set up your microphones the way you want? Yeah, like I find that this the the instrument um, that I've been working at at Sacré Cœur is um, it's both easy to work with and also not easy because I mean the organ is from like the late 1920s and hasn't really ever been um, rebuilt or or restored, and so you're sort of you have to crawl kind of underneath the chambers and. Uh, then you know go through these these hatches and and to even just to open the doors uh to to like get inside the the swell division for example like the doors aren't on hinges so you have to take the entire door out and and uh place it somewhere else and and then you're trying to sort of avoid stepping on these tiny pipes that are right next to you so it's there's always those kinds of challenges but i've i've found at this space that i can get some really good possibilities for mic placement and and capturing the sounds and being able to then do different kinds of manipulations with it. And it's a Cassavant from the from the 1920s that's considered the golden age of Cassavant, I guess. Yeah, this so this Cassavant is from um it's from 1928, I think, and it's a uh, you know, it's it's not a huge organ. It's it's three manuals um so there's like a, a Reci positif and and grand orc. And but it has some really um, beautiful stops that, especially, um, especially with the different kinds of, of uh, electronic sounds that I've been working with, I find the volume man on this organ is really beautiful. And combining it, you know, it has it has a set of chimes which is is not all that unique or special necessarily. But there's this combining the chimes with the volume man. You just it's just this really magical sound. Um, some of the flutes uh, on the on the organ, um, you know, in and of themselves have this beautiful um, sound characteristics that's just really interesting to work with. And I find uh, a lot of the stuff I've been sort of exploring lately and trying to get ideas and inspiration from is working more with like individual sounds or a combination of one or two uh, registers and sort of seeing what I can do with just that. Um, but also, I mean, also the choruses and the ensembles on, on the instrument are really, really nice themselves. Some people are very fond of older organ pipes, and uh, there's definitely a romantic quality to playing on a hundred-year-old uh, musical instrument, any instrument, but uh, can you describe in any way what makes the sound so special and in comparison to a modern instrument? You know, I guess it's it's the quality of, of the voicing, um, these stops that sort of blend so beautifully, but also have, you know, every stop has 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 a purpose within the instrument that um, there's there's nothing kind of extraneous. There's nothing that doesn't fit with the rest of it. It's just built in this very coherent, cohesive manner. I think with with older instruments, it's also sometimes it's not only the sound. I mean, I, I uh, one of the one of the teachers I used to have that would talk about the smell of an old organ, and it's true that these these kinds of things, you know, you sit down at a, at an old console and it's almost it's sort of this, I don't know if it's moldy or or you know whatever, but the the smell of that old wood, 
and um, and how that, in this weird way, sort of influences, you know, in a positive in a positive way, like your experience, and and then just the the feeling of the space as well, um, you know, being in a in a, a beautiful church. Uh, with with an, you know really nice acoustic uh, you know, that that sort of enveloping kind of almost you know mystical sound um, of the space and this particular church the Sacré Cœur also has I think one of the most beautiful um, high altars of any of the churches in Montreal with these just really incredibly intricate relief sculptures. Um, all covering the entire front wall of the church. Um, so all of those things put together, it's it's both a question of, of, of it being an old space and an old instrument, the quality of construction, the fact that the organ, like so many of the instruments in Montreal have been rebuilt over the years, you know, and maybe they added uh, sounds that didn't really fit with the instrument or, or revoiced you know, a lot of a lot of times, um, you know, adding more really shrieky mixtures or revoicing the reeds and all of this. It it's an instrument that has this still kind of original sound character from the late 1920s. So it's both it's both kind of a monument to that time, but it's also it's also something that just feels everything, like I was saying before, just feels like it fits together so so nicely. It's rare enough for a composer to have regular access to a pipe organ, but to find one with such a beautiful, coherent sound in such a well-balanced acoustic space is a real stroke of luck. Through his work there, Foster has found even more to appreciate in this unique and inspirational space. I guess this the what what makes this space special is again sometimes these architectural features like this the the beautiful kind of high altar like the having the the bells in the space and having this this atmosphere that just creates this this want to to uh, to make art to to be creative and. It's interesting in this space, the organ is actually, if anything, a bit small for the space. Um, you know, it's, 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 if anything, it's, it's on the quiet side. It's, it's a, it doesn't quite fill the space as much as you might wish. Um, so sometimes that can be kind of a detriment, but at the same time, it kind of leaves room for, like I was mentioning before, kind of exploring some of those individual sound colors um, and timbres that that can can provide a lot of a lot of interest, a lot of beauty. Let's talk about manifesting light. Um, maybe you can talk about how the piece came together, um, and if if there's anything about it that's really specific to the space you're working in. So Manifesting Light is uh, a track that I made recently. Uh, I was working in the Sacré-Cœur back in November and just kind of exploring, exploring different things, sort of improvising and and trying out different effects with the sounds. So um, I used sort of a standard kind of microphone setup that, that I've been using, putting microphones inside of the Positif and Recy. 
divisions and then using working with a like some guitar pedals like a flanger and, and delay pedal um at the at the console and uh this particular piece manifesting light what i was doing was was exploring with the delay effect um some feedback loops and sort of it it's it's a it's a cool the 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 pedal that i use right now for that um it it starts to if if you if you start getting a feedback loop going it creates this kind of really distorted almost noise kind of texture and it and it has this kind of churning effect in the background almost this mechanical machine like effect but at the same time this really kind of radiant kind of sound that uh that's where you know I was, when I was thinking of what I would call it and manifesting light just this this kind of overwhelming sense of these bright bright textures that come out of this out of this delay so it so it kind of starts uh the bit more um murky kind of sound textures uh exploring a lot uh with the with the voyman sound which is really beautiful on this instrument um and then sort of building uh sort of changing the the delay effects as it's going to create those the feedback loops that that start to really build as the piece progresses the the, the brilliance of the these noise textures um almost this kind of harshness but at the same time kind of radiance of the sound is something that i think is it's 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 a very kind of optimistic feeling for me it's something that makes me feel inspired and sometimes it's funny how just a kind of mass of noise can can put my mind i almost almost create this very relaxed feeling of of being at ease and yeah i think noise noise sometimes has that effect somehow or another
You're listening to the Future Stops podcast, an initiative of the Royal Canadian College of Organists. My name is Blake Hargreaves, and I'm your host as we explore the world of the 21st century organ. We just heard today's feature piece, Manifesting Light, recorded in November 2021 at Montreal's Sacré-Cœur de Jésus Church. Adrian Foster's unique vision of gently transmuting the pipe organ using modern technology plays a big role in the work of Earthworld Collaborative, a group of artists creating multimedia experiences. With their latest project, the very nature of the role of composer is explored and questioned. Yeah, so for the future right now, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working on a couple of... of uh, I'm still working on sort of regularly going to the, the Sacré-Cœur and, and trying to develop new ideas. Um, and I've got a big project in the works with my collaborative uh, that involves a piece of my own that I've been uh, working on lately, um, also recorded at the Sacré-Cœur. And is this particular project, it's called For the Humming World. And the idea is creating initial kind of compositions and then allowing this kind of back and forth creative interplay with other musicians. So um, in this particular case, I'm creating a bass track and someone else will add kind of either a voice or, or another instrumental part to go on top of that. and then another layer of uh, composition involves removing my initial track and then someone else composing a new kind of backdrop for the instrumental or vocal solo. So that's the project um, that's uh, that's in the works at the moment. It involves uh, a few really interesting uh, Canadian composers, including Kim Ferris Manning, uh, who's who's going to be doing one of those the third part of that compositional exchange and sort of removing the initial track and adding something new. So it's sort of a way of deliberately removing creative control. Like I have to compose something or create a a track and, and feel like it's, it's a finished composition that I'm happy with, but also realize that it's going to change completely um, and transform beyond, beyond what I have any say in. I think that that can be a really interesting kind of exercise as a composer, the feeling that what you create is going to be altered by someone else and become something completely new and different. Creating something completely new and different out of a previous master's work is exactly what Adrian Foster does as he experiments with the 1928 Cassavant pipe organ at Sacré-Cœur in Montreal. Crawling around in the organ loft to install microphones is probably not something the builders ever expected a composer to do. With these enhancements, Adrian Foster is able to bring the beauty of the Vox Humana and Chimes combination, among other charms of this instrument, to a contemporary audience. The contemporary composers who are inspired by this unique space to create new works for bells and augmented organ give it new life and offer a glimpse of a potential reinvented future for any artistic space. We'd like to thank Adrian Foster for joining us today. We'd love it if you would join us too on social media at Future Stops and Future Stops Podcast, where you can bring your voice to the conversation. Future Stops is a podcast from the Royal Canadian College of Organists produced by Andrew O'Connor, with Sanjay Parker as Community Manager and Executive Producer Elizabeth Shannon. I'm your host, Blake Hargreaves.